All right. Good afternoon, everybody. If you have your Bibles, please uh, keep it open to our text today. John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. As our brother Danny just uh, read this passage. In this passage, we have the account of Nathaniel's first encounter with Jesus. Philip invites a very, what seems like a very cynical Nathaniel. And as Nathaniel approaches Jesus, Jesus says to him, Behold an Israelite indeed, whom in, in whom there is no deceit. All right. What a greeting, huh? What if like today is your first time meeting me? And then as you're approaching, I say, behold, a Korean indeed. <laughs> who loves her kimchi. I don't know, like something, you know, like, like kinda, what kind of greeting is that? Now, to be clear, this isn't a generic greeting that Jews have for each other back then. Okay. No, instead, Jesus had received revelation through the Holy Spirit, that the person who was approaching him was a devout Jew and a man of integrity. The Holy Spirit revealed that, so Jesus spoke it out. Now, Jesus didn't know this information just because he is the Son of God. No, Jesus got this revelation via the Holy Spirit. You might be like, well, he's the Son of God. He knows everything. All right, well, Jesus, yes, he is the Son of God, but he was also called the Son of Man. And he's 100% God, but he was also on the earth as 100% man. Or else, if he wasn't 100% man, then his death wasn't 100%. And then the Bible says you will still be in your sins. So Jesus took on the form of humanity. That's what we call by the incarnation. That's a Christian term called incarnation. Jesus took on human flesh, and in that flesh, he had to get revelation from the Holy Spirit, just like you and I do. Because you notice a chapter earlier, Jesus didn't give such greetings to his other disciples. I mean, if he wants to get all of them follow him, I mean, he could just use this technique. But no, Jesus doesn't do that because he didn't have that revelation from the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I think perhaps the Holy Spirit gave Jesus this word of knowledge in order to break through Nathaniel's cynicism. Nathaniel had this you know, attitude of, you know, because he was a very disciplined guy. He was a very devout guy. He had this attitude of, I'm better than you. What do you have to offer me? You know, there's that kind of cynicism. And I believe the Holy Spirit gave this word of knowledge so that Jesus could break through that. So Nathaniel hears what Jesus says and then he responds, how do you know me? I don't know if it was like, you don't know me or how do you know that? Or like, and I don't know what kind of tone he said it, but he said, how do you know me? And so Jesus speaks another word of knowledge, one that he had received earlier. It was a vision, a mental image in which Jesus saw Nathaniel chilling under a fig tree before Philip called him. So Jesus gets this vision. So he speaks out the second word of knowledge. Now, there's something radically special about this victory and Nathaniel. Because this statement about Jesus seeing Nathaniel under victory, it hits Nathaniel to the core. And, he, and his response becomes, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now, how did Nathaniel go from cynic to fanatic? In just the drop of a moment's notice. How did that happen? Well, this is the type of response that is commanded. This is a dramatic response that you may see when you operate in the word of knowledge. You know, when words of knowledge come, sometimes they're very, it could, be, it could appear more generic. And other times words of knowledge come and it reveals the secrets of your heart. Something that you know that only God knows. It's like you and God are the only person that knows about this little habit that you have. Perhaps for Nathaniel... It was like Jesus saying, I saw you on your MacBook Pro at Starbucks 
before you came over here. Or I saw you having quiet time at your company cafeteria sitting all by yourself during the lunch hour. Or I saw you playing Madden on your PS3 when you should have been working on your sermon. Okay. Jesus, whatever it was, Jesus pointed out something that was intimate and routine to the heart of Nathaniel. And it struck him so dramatically, he goes from Nazareth, what good comes out of there, to Jesus, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Now, uh, look at how Jesus responds to Nathaniel's dramatic response. Look at verse 50. Come on. Look at your word. Look at your sword. Look at verse 50. Let's read that together. One, two, three, go. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Amen. You will see greater things than these. Amen? Amen. Who in here wants to see greater things than these? Come on, wave your hand in the air. Come on, that's me. I want to see greater things. Jesus is like, you think that's impressive? You follow me, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to see way greater things than just a word of knowledge. Jesus promised Nathaniel that he would see greater things. And as Nathaniel followed Jesus, what did he see? He saw greater things than these. Way more crazier things. Things like lame people who've been lame for many, many years getting up and walking. Seeing the town lunatic get delivered from a legion of demons and come into his right mind. Seeing Lazarus dead for many days coming back to life. Oh, Nathaniel saw greater things. Way crazier things than just a couple words of knowledge. And then on top of this, after showing his disciples all these signs and wonders and miracles and healings, Jesus made another promise. Turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 12. I'm going to read it. Actually, you don't have to turn there. Uh, I'm going to read it in the NIV. All right, because it flows a little bit better here. Jesus said, not only will you see greater things, he promised this. John 14, 12. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Hallelujah. In other words, Jesus first promised his disciples, you will see greater things than these. And then he showed it to them. And then you said, and then he said, you will do the same things. And you will do greater things than these. Oh, the glory of the latter house is greater than the first. Let me tell you right that. God is a God who saves the best for last. Brothers and sisters, you will see greater things. Amen? I don't know about you. I don't like just watching. I like doing. When I watch a good movie, I ain't just thinking, oh, what a good movie. I'm thinking, how do they do that? I want to make a good movie like that. Hallelujah. Do you want to see greater things? Do you want to do greater things? Brothers and sisters, these promises are for each and every one of you. Amen? Amen? You know, we've been seeing some amazing things here at New Philly. You know, signs, wonders, fire of God falling on people. Even skeptical people coming forward. God, the fire of God coming on them, reviving them. Demons getting cast out. People getting healed and delivered from all kinds of traumas and mental diseases. People repenting, giving their, their lives to the Lord after backsliding. Going on mission trips where we see physical healings, salvations. We've seen some pretty amazing things. But who in here wants to see greater things than these? Come on, somebody. Who here wants to see greater things than these? 
What was that? (laughs) You know, that's why we're fasting for 21 days. Come on now. You know, you know, I'm so proud of y'all. I'm so proud of this church. You know, as of last night, we had, we have 108 people signed up to fast for 21 days. There are 76 from Hillside, 28 from Itaewon, and then four of them are actually living abroad. There are alumni or people that used to go to our church. They heard about the fast and said, I want in. I want to share in the sufferings that I, so I can also share in the glory. They, they want in. So, you know, and uh, out of this 108, you know, uh, we encourage people that are able, who are at that measure of faith, to, be, uh, to do a liquids-only fast. So more than half the people that are of the 108 are doing a liquids-only fast. And you know what? And this is our way of saying, Lord... We have got to have more of you at any cost. God, we celebrate, we thank you for what we have received thus far. But God, we know there's so much more. And Lord, we want to see greater things. And not only do we want to see it, we want to do greater things for your glory. That's what this 20-day, one-day fast is all about. It's like... Yes, we're celebrating, we're happy with what we've seen thus far. Oh, but we know there's so much more. There's greater things, brothers and sisters. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things are coming. Greater things are coming. And you know what? Some people are just going to watch the greater things. Other people are going to do it. I want the honor of being able to take part in it. I want to have the fun of doing it. Hallelujah. Who wants to watch 100 YouTube videos of Todd White healing people on the streets? Look, I want to have a YouTube channel where people watch me heal people on the streets. One of my strengths is significance, so I I don't mind saying stuff like that. Anyway, I want to do it. I don't want to just watch it. So how can we be sure that we will see greater things? What if just this is the best it gets? What if God is saying, hey, I've given you so much already by my grace. Why Why are you so spoiled? Why are you so greedy? Why are you asking for more? Look, I've given you so much. I've given you the cross. I've given you salvation. I've given you the baptism of the Spirit. Why are you asking for more? You should be happy with what you got. Is that the voice of our Father? No. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I know my sheep. My sheep know my voice. We know that that's not the voice of the Father. Voice of the Father saying, look, this is just the beginning. You will see greater things. You ain't seen nothing yet. The glory of the latter house is greater than the first. Now, how can we be so sure that we will see greater things and do greater things? Well, brothers and sisters, there's another promise that just seals the deal. And it's the message that I want to get into your spirit today. Look at John chapter 1 verse 51. After telling Nathaniel, you will see greater things than these, Jesus says to him, truly, truly, this usually means pay attention. Don't miss this. This is going to be good. Listen up. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened. Hallelujah. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. How can we be so sure That we will see and do greater things than these? What gives us such optimism? Well, it's right here. It's Christ's promise of an open heaven. Jesus said, you will see heaven open. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now prophesy that. You will see heaven open. Come on, say it. Say it with some bonus.
you will see heaven open. You will see and do greater things. Why? Because you will see heaven opened. When heaven is opened, it just gets better and better and better. You go from glory to glory experiences. You will see and do greater things. Now, what happens when heaven is opened? Jesus said, you will see heaven open and you will see angels ascending and descending. Why would angels go up and down? Why not side to side? Why up and down? What in the world? What about this? What in the world do angels even do? You know, we have all these different caricatures of what angels are. Guardian angels. I, I remember this one friend I had in childhood. And, I, and then all of a sudden they disappeared out of my life. I think that was my guardian angel. I, I, don't, I don't know. People have all kinds of caricatures of what angels are and what angels do. Let me show you what the Bible says. Psalm 103 verse 20. Word of God says in Psalm 103 verse 20. Bless the Lord, O you his angels. You mighty ones. Who do his word. Obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord all his hosts. His ministers who do his will. Hallelujah. You know angels are just mentioned over and over and over again in the Old Testament. You read the Bible man. There's angels over. It's mentioned over and over and over again. And the amazing thing is we're supposed to see more angelic activity on this side of the cross. And check it out. Jesus is promising this is what you will experience. And what do angels do? According to Psalm 1-3, angels carry out the word of God. Angels obey the voice of the Lord. And to give a complete picture, let me just be fair. Angels do all kinds of things. They get caught on all kinds of assignments. They can be caught on to strike down all the firstborn sons of the entire nation. They can be called upon to confuse an army, an enemy troop, and cause them to kill each other. Now, let's just be fair. I mean, angels, they're not just all lovey-dovey. All right, and uh, angels do all kinds of things. Striking people down with plagues is one of them. But on the positive side, angels are protectors. Hallelujah. Psalm 91. They are ministers. Psalm 103. They are messengers. Look throughout the whole Bible. What do angels do? They bring messages. Okay, so these are some ways that angels serve the Lord on the positive side to God's people. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Okay. Angels are ministering spirits. Everybody say that. Angels are ministering spirits. They carry out the word of God and they help you fulfill the will of God for your life. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and these angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Now, let's break it down. What does the son of man? What does that term mean? Well, the son of man. It's a messianic term. So if you read all throughout the gospels, this was Jesus favorite title to use on himself you know he's jesus like the rock he likes to refer to himself in the third person you know the rock says shut your mouth and know your role you know know, that's how the rock is a a professional wrestler in the wwe anyway um and so in a similar fashion jesus likes to talk in the third person he's he's you know and he used the terms the son of man son of man is going to be delivered to the hands of the priests He'll be crucified, killed. The son of man this, son of man that. It's a messianic term. And Jesus is saying in this passage, Nathaniel, if you follow me, you're going to see heaven opened and you're going to witness angelic activity all around me, the son of man. Angelic activity that will blow your mind. I'm just, I'm just summing it up for you. You know, Jesus was a Galilean. He spoke with ghetto slang. He spoke with Ebonics of that time. 
So don't look at me like I'm the one that's off. I'm summing it up for you. Said, look, you follow me. You're going to see angelic activity that's going to blow your mind. Now, practically, what did this open heaven and this angelic activity look like in the Bible? What did it look like in Jesus' ministry? Okay, let's look at it. Um, You don't have to turn there, but I'll refer to the passages. It all begins at Jesus' water baptism in the Jordan River. Matthew 3.16 tells us that at the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River, the heavens were open. Hallelujah. And when heaven was opened, what happened? Jesus saw something. But guess what? John the Baptist also saw that. He said, I saw the Spirit of God come out of heaven, because the heaven was open, by the way. Spirit of God come out of heaven and rested upon Jesus like a dove. And with the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus like this, there also came the anointing. And God anointed Jesus and empowered him to begin his public ministry. So from this passage, we can see that when heaven is opened, the anointing of the Holy Spirit gets released upon his people. It gets released upon people. And people also get affirmed and called into the ministry when there's an open heaven. You know, the people, some people who have a calling to ministry, they have all these dramatic stories of how they were on the run from God. They're rebelling from God. They're backsliding from God. And they go to this one retreat. And all of a sudden, God just calls them very strongly, almost like out of the blue, without a clue. And all of a sudden, they're giving their life. Lord, I'll go to the nations for you. I'll be a pastor. I'll go to seminary. And then afterwards, they wake up and they're like, what did I do? Why do people have these kind of dramatic full-time ministry calling experiences? Why? Because there's an open heaven. When there's an open heaven, people get called into ministry. Hallelujah. It's the effect of open heaven. If you look later in Matthew 14, we have Jesus trying to feed the 5,000. And this was just the men, not including women and children. And Jesus was trying to feed them with two loaves and five fish. And verse 19 of Matthew 14 says something very interesting. It says that Jesus took the bread and the fish and then he looked up to heaven. Said a blessing, broke the bread, and gave it away. Now, I don't know if you have ever asked yourself, why did Jesus look up to heaven? Did he see uh, an airplane taking off? I guess that wasn't very funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I was like, mm, bad joke. <laughs> Take that out for the detailing service. <laughs> was there like a cute lamb-shaped cloud in the sky? <laughs> all right, I'll take it all out. All right. Y'all try being up here. But anyway, why did Jesus look up? Why did he look up? Why did he look up? Well, think about it. Jesus said, you will see heaven open. Now, we don't know for sure, but but Jesus probably looked up to heaven because he saw that it was open. Or he had the faith to believe that heaven was open. So in a symbolic gesture, he looks up to heaven. And he knew that in heaven, there is no lack. There are unlimited resources. There's unlimited supply of bread and fish up in heaven. So Jesus looks up to heaven and since it was open, he knew that the resources of heaven were open for him. So when heaven is opened, material miracles abound. Listen to me. Material miracles abound when heaven is opened. Deuteronomy 28.12, the Bible says heaven is the Lord's storehouse. It's his barn. It's his treasury. It's his bank. And when heaven, the Lord's storehouse, is opened to you, Deuteronomy 28.12 says, you will lend and not borrow. I don't care how much student loan debt you got. When, the, when you see heaven open over your life, you will lend and not borrow. 
you will not die at 70 years old still trying to pay off your student loan. Hallelujah. Heaven will open and you will lend. Bank accounts will get mysterious deposits. I've experienced that. Hallelujah. Business investments, they multiply. You know, I really do believe that the reason why the app, I used to work at Apple for like 10 months, and I had Apple stock through the employee purchase plan. And I took Apple stock when it was under 10 bucks. If you guys know the news right now, Apple stock's probably close to 275 or something like that, right, right there. It's around 275. It just inched higher in market value than Microsoft. Okay. And so people are saying, wow, Apple is one of the highest valued companies in the world right now. Okay. But you know what? Man, I'm telling you right now, I think I, think I experienced open heaven. Because that $8 stock that I bought after I moved to Korea, I mean, during that entire time of like four years, that stock grew and grew and grew and grew. It was like Jesus feeding the 5,000. It just kept growing and growing and growing. And so when it came time for me to get engaged with Aaron, I was like, where am I going to get the money for a ring? And the Lord said, check your Apple stock. I said, oh, hallelujah. Thank you for that open heaven, Lord. Or even when I made the decision to move to Korea from New York. I'm telling you, man, God just opened up heaven. And when I gave my presentation at my, at my home church in New Jersey, it's a small church, maybe about 30, 40 faithful people. They're not spirit-filled particularly, but, man, they love God. And after that service, after, after I gave that presentation, some, the treasurer came up to me. And said, somebody wrote you a check. I said, how much for how much? And usually I was used to getting like a check for $100, $200. And if I was lucky, I will get a check for $1,000. Things like that to help support my ministry. Because I was on staff of Campus Crusade. Campus Crusade don't get a salary. We have no central funds by which we can receive a salary. So we have to support raise. Anyway, and uh, somebody wrote me a check. And I can't, it was so big, I can't even remember right now. I think it was 9000 Sometimes I say it's 8000 but I believe it was $9,000. Was it 8000 Anyway, it's eight or eight or nine. And I remember asking the treasurer, are you sure that that's the amount? Did you count the zeros right? And he said, no, it's written right there on the check. $9,000. That's an open heaven right there, Hallelujah. When heaven is open, material miracles abound. Churches get favor for impossible real estate acquisitions. Hallelujah. And right now, as a church, for us to ever own real estate in Seoul, it's a pretty impossible acquisition. I don't care if y'all all all empty out your bank accounts. We still wouldn't have enough money to get any kind of real estate in this city. But praise the Lord. When the heavens open, there will be material miracles to abound. We get, let's say we get a building in the future. The story of that acquisition will be one of an open heaven. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 7, there's a deaf and mute man brought before Jesus. In Mark 7 verse 33, it says that Jesus put his finger into the deaf man's ears. And then after spitting, touched the man's tongue. That's nasty. He wasn't done. Verse 34, it says that Jesus looked up to heaven. He sighed and he said to him, be opened. And the man was healed on the spot. Hallelujah. Now, you can go out and put your fingers into a deaf man's ears all you want. You can try spitting on your hand and trying to find a mute person to let you touch their tongue. You can do it a hundred times, but you won't see any healing. You see, the key was not the method, but, the, but an open heaven. And before Jesus heals this man, you can see him looking up to heaven. And I believe that every time Jesus healed, whether he physically looked up to heaven or not, his eyes, the eyes of his spirit were always constantly upon heaven. 
he saw that there is no scoliosis in heaven. There is no cancer in heaven. There is no all kinds of mental diseases, lunacy, epilepsy. He saw that that's not in heaven. And so he bound that which he saw according to heaven's standard. And he saw that in heaven, people up in heaven, they have peace. They're abounding with joy and love. So Jesus will release that onto the earth. He was always looking up to heaven as his standard. So when heaven is opened, physical healings abound. Amen? Amen. Come on now. Physical healings abound when there is an open heaven. Angels show up to repair legs, relieve back pain, cleanse people of diseases, loose people from various spirits of infirmity. When you see heaven opened, lots of angels from the Lord will show up to minister physical healing. There are like chiropractor angels that show up and they pop, pop, pop. And you're like, whoa, what was that? And you're healed. Hallelujah. I think there's... um, I haven't heard too many personal testimonies, but third-hand, second-hand testimonies of people uh, getting a weight loss experience. Where they're just worshiping God, and for maybe they have a, some kind of disease or some kind of condition or depression. And they, and they have gained a lot of massive weight. And they're just worshiping God, worshiping God. And then at the end of the worship, their pants are on the floor. They lose like 50, 100 pounds just during the worship. That's like a Richard Simmons angel. Shows up. I don't know. But angels, you know, got some power. But um, when heaven's open, physical healings abound. Now, the earthly ministry of Jesus wasn't very earthly, was it? It was very heavenly. Because he knew what an open heaven looks like and does. Now, let's go back to John chapter 1, verse 51. Jesus said here, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, I explained earlier that the term Son of Man was a messianic term. That's not the full story. That term, there's more to it than just that. The title, Son of Man, actually has a double meaning. Alright, so if you want to study theology, alright, check this out. Son of Man has a double meaning. It can refer to the Messiah, or it can refer to a literal son of a man. Okay, and so you see this, you go back in the Old Testament, God uses this title on Ezekiel. He looks at Ezekiel and says, Son of Man, can these bones live? Son of man, prophesy to the breath. Son of man, son of man, son of man. Okay. It's got a double meaning. So when Jesus says, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man, Jesus isn't just talking about himself because he could have said son of God. No. No. I believe he's, he uses the term son of man to leave the double meaning in place in order to train his disciples to get into their heads that not only will they see him doing miraculous works, but they will go on to receive the same anointing he has and go on to do the same works that he did. He's trying to get it in their heads. You're going to do the same things I've done and check this out, even greater things than these. Look, Jesus is not insecure. What? You're going to do greater things than me? You're crazy. I raised people from the dead when I was on the earth. No, Jesus is not insecure. Jesus is like a loving father. He's like a, he's like a loving father that had three years of a basketball career at the, in the NBA. And he, and he broke some records. And then here comes his son along. And he gets drafted into the NBA. And he has more than three seasons. And he's just rooting on his son. Come on, son. Break my record. Come on, son. Come on. Shoot those threes. Come on, son. Win those championships. That's like, that's what, that's what Jesus is like. That's what our father is like. He's not insecure like, you're, you're going to do greater things than me. I'm the son of God. How are you going to do greater things? He ain't not like that. 
He wants you to do greater things. Hallelujah. Now we see evidence of this open heaven in the life and ministry of the early church. So let's see what an open heaven brought them. Acts chapter 2. The disciples, they're gathered in prayer and fasting. And then the heavens were opened. And the Bible says that a mighty rushing wind came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. You can see from Acts chapter 2 that the heavens didn't close up when Jesus finished this earthly ministry on the cross and went, to, went into heaven. When he ascended into heaven, Jesus didn't say, Oh, no, that's more, no more of that. Close up heaven. Nope. Heaven was opened. And the same anointing that Jesus received at his baptism in the Jordan River, the 120 people gathered in the upper room, they got it on that day of Pentecost. Brothers and sisters, when heaven is opened... People get baptized with the Holy Spirit. When heaven is opened, people get baptized. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You know, if you have trouble, you know, and you know, we've been hearing testimonies of People that have been at our church, they go back home, they lay hands on people, and as they're praying, Spirit of God just flows through them, and boom, baptism of Spirit on their friend. Baptism of the Spirit on their mama. And there's other people, it seems like it's not working that way. What's going on? One person is experiencing open heaven, the other person's not. And sometimes it's a matter of perspective. Perhaps the other person has so got their eyes on earthly things, and understanding the scriptures from a humanistic viewpoint. From an earthly viewpoint, not a heavenly one. You know, I forget the old saying. It says, uh, sometimes you can be so heavenly minded, you're, you're of no earthly good. Hallelujah. And people have had different spins on that quote. Well, check this out, man. Being more and more heavenly minded... It's not a bad thing when, it, when, it, when you see it in terms of an open heaven. If you're, if you're just talking about heavenly minded, meaning you're being religious and saying all the Christian jargon, all right, you're going to be of no good. You're not going to be able to relate to a person on the streets. You're not going to be able to relate to a so-called sinner or people that are outside the church. You're not going to be able to relate to them. Somebody with a tattoo with a cigarette in their hand, you're not going to be able to relate to them. All right, but if you are heavenly minded, meaning open heaven, like you look to the resources of heaven, in that way, you get more and more heavenly minded. Oh, you're going to be of earthly good. Hallelujah. You're going to bring heaven's invasion onto earth as you get more and more heavenly minded. Hallelujah. Uh, later on, Acts chapter 10. Heaven gets opened and Peter sees a vision, a large sheet, a large uh, picnic blanket. I don't know. With unclean animals on it. The Lord told him to kill and eat. Eventually this vision happened three times. And it opened up Peter's heart. And put his heart at peace. To bring the truth of the gospel. Not only to the Jews but to the Gentiles. In other words. When heaven is open. Listen to me. Listen to me. When heaven is open. God pours out revelation. He unlocks the mysteries. That are contained in the scriptures. He unlocks. He unlocks revelation when the heavens are opened. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 22, the Apostle Paul, he recounts his conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And he says that on his way down, a great light from heaven. Once again, you got to open heaven. Great light comes out from heaven. And it just completely wrecks him. And with that light, the voice of the Lord spoke to him, leading to his conversion. If you've been counting, uh, I think I'm on six or seven. When heaven is opened, people get radically saved. People get radically saved. The issue is not, 
Sometimes people think the issue is the gospel presentation. Making sure you're meticulous to put in every single point of the gospel presentation. Make sure you mention this. Make sure you mention the law. Make sure you mention the repentance. And for a person who has never heard the gospel, it's very important to include all those elements and present the gospel in its wholeness. But for a person who's heard the gospel again and again and again, and depending on where they are in their spirit walk, sometimes what they need is not just a nice, complete gospel presentation. What they need is for heaven to be opened and for them to encounter God and give their lives to Christ. One of the apostles could have appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus and said, I have the gospel presentation. I know, Paul, that you're a very big thinker. So I wrote it all out here. Paul, I want you to consider becoming Christian. Okay? That would not have made Paul get converted. It is an open heaven that brought the salvation of one of the greatest persecutors of that time. You want to see some of these crazy... Men like General Butt Naked from uh, Liberia. Hallelujah. Excuse my French. Is that, is that, all right. Anyway, all right. there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's a documentary. I mentioned it last week. Uh, of a guy in Liberia. There's a lot of civil war. A lot of killing going on. And one of the famous generals in Liberia is a guy named General Butt Naked. Because he fights Butt Naked. Anyway, he used to uh, kill innocent children. Drink their blood. Go out to battle and kill other children. Anyway, long story short... God converted General Butt Naked. So now he's evangelist. What's his name again? Evangelist Joshua. And, and, and the non-Christian person that's making the documentary, he says to himself, at, toward the end of the documentary, he says, he says, this guy, there's something wrong going on. This guy is preaching to a group of people. This guy has killed Thousands of people. And he's preaching to a group of people whose family members he probably killed. And they're there praising and adoring him for preaching the word of God. And he says, that is effed up. Because this non-Christian documentary maker, he he just couldn't couldn't get it. He was like, what the heck is going on? All right. And what did General, what 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 happened to him? He experienced open heaven. That, that vision of Jesus, that voice of Jesus that he got, that experience, he encountered God. And he was converted. When heavens are open, you see salvation by the masses. You know, uh, the Bible says in Joel chapter 2, And in those last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. And if you keep reading, it says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm telling you, as heaven gets more and more open because the people of God, they know how to open heaven. They know how to carry that open heaven. As there is bigger open heaven all over the earth, salvation is going to come by the masses. If you look in the book of Revelation, Jesus, in one of the visions, he has a sickle. And he just, he harvests the earth in the last days. Think about it. We have 6.7 billion people on the earth right now. Jesus, this is going to harvest at the last days. And this is going to be billions of people coming to Christ in one year. And it will not be because of Billy Graham. Oh, we got the next Billy Graham Jr. here. Or because somebody came up with a new technique for evangelism. No, it's going to be because of open heaven. Now, brothers and sisters, do you see the wonderful things that happen when heaven is opened? This is just a short list. I want you to prophesy to your neighbor again. You will see heaven opened. Come on. Come on, turn to a neighbor that looks clueless and tell them, you will see heaven opened. Do it with a straight face, if possible. You will see heaven opened. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This word is not just for Jesus. It's not just for the early church. This promise is for you. In other words, because Christ is in us, the promise of an open heaven is something that can be accessed by every born-again believer. Amen? 
The promise of angelic activity is not confined to Jesus' ministry. Think of it this way. Jesus demonstrated what an open heaven with angelic activity looks like. And then he threw the ball and he says, your turn. Or as uh, Bill Johnson said it, he said, tag, you're it. Speaking of Bill Johnson, he said, above every believer is an open heaven. Demonic spirits cannot block the fellowship between the Spirit of God in you and the Father who is in heaven. Nothing that Satan can do can block that fellowship, can block that stairway, can block that ladder, can block the angels of God from ascending and descending. So where is the block coming from? Well, it's mostly in our mind and in our hearts. Brothers and sisters, it is immensely important that we learn how to live in and cultivate an awareness of the open heaven over us. We've got to learn how to live in this, learn how to cultivate it. With this awareness comes greater faith and boldness to see and do greater things than what we've experienced thus far. I know that you don't walk around thinking, I have an open heaven over myself. But I'm telling you today, you do. And if nobody has ever told you that, that's because Satan is just trying to put a veil over the eyes of the church. Over the eyes of the saints. You have an open heaven over you. You don't even have to be a mature, you could be a baby Christian. Just got saved in the last few months. You got an open heaven over you. You don't earn an open heaven. You receive it, you get it, because Christ is living in you, the hope of glory. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, angels will ascend and descend upon you, through you. But you got to believe it, brothers and sisters. You got to contend for it until you see it. And this angel, this image of angels going up and down is originally from Genesis chapter 28. In it, Jacob has a dream in which he sees a ladder. Or a stairway from earth reaching up to heaven. And in this dream, Jacob sees the angels of God ascending and descending upon this stairway. And then God stood above it and spoke his promises to Jacob. And when Jacob awoke, he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than Bethel. Bethel just simply means the house of God. Beth, house, El. Elohim, God. Bethel. He said, this is the house of God. So you know what he did when he woke up? From a dream? He took a big old stone and he set it up. And he said, I got to remember this place. This place is crazy. It's the angels going up and down on this place. Brothers and sisters. Jesus fulfilled this vision of a stairway to heaven. By being crucified on the cross. For you and for me. Jesus said of himself. I am the truth. I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the father. Except through me. In other words. Jesus says. I am the stairway to heaven. I am Jacob's ladder. No one comes to the father. Except through me. No one enters. And will see the kingdom of heaven. Except through me. Jesus fulfilled it. When he died on the cross. And by the cross, he made a way for us to get to heaven. All you do is climb Jesus. You climb the stairway to heaven and you're going to get to heaven. But check this out. That's not the whole gospel message. The whole gospel message doesn't end there. Not only that, Jesus also made for a way for us to get heaven down to earth. Hallelujah. The whole point of the gospel is not for you to just get to heaven. It's for, for, to get heaven into you. Hallelujah. And to get heaven released all around you onto this earth. To establish Christ's dominion wherever there is darkness and oppression. Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit so that we don't have to travel to a geographic location to find a Bethel 
to find an open heaven. Check this out. Look, you can go look for that stone pillar that Jacob set up. And let's say, just for argument's sake, that it's still there somewhere in the middle of the Middle East somewhere. Oh, was it in the Middle East? I don't remember where it was. Anyway, hallelujah. You go over there. Let's say you find it in the middle of Iran or something like that. Hallelujah. You can go to that stone that Jacob set it up thousands of years ago. But even if you find it, ain't nothing going to happen there. I'm sorry for all that. (laughs) I'm getting passionate. Ain't nothing going to happen there. That's because Bethel is not a physical location. The stairway to heaven is living inside you by the Spirit of God. And the stairway to heaven in us causes us to become the gateway for heaven's activities to come down to earth. Is somebody with me here today? Upon conversion, each of us becomes a living, breathing, moving, walking Bethel. You are the living house of God. Christ is building his church on not on dead stones, but on living stones. You are the house of God. And wherever you go, there can be open heaven and angelic activity. Many times we are involved in supernatural activities happening around us, but we're oblivious to it. Pastor Paul, you know, he told me stories of how he'd be at revival meetings and people will be manifesting. The power of God will show up. People will be on the ground shaking. People will be under seats, like manifesting with their arm going, going crazy. You know, you saw some of that a couple of weeks ago here during our service. And it might have it freaked some of you out. Well, you know what Pastor Paul said? He said that his eyes were open and he saw the angels in the room. And he said that, These angels were different sizes, different wing expanses. I don't know if they're different color, but anyway, these angels, they all look different. And guess what they were doing? They were grabbing Wongyu and they were shaking him up like this. And that's why Wongyu was manifesting. And they took Mina's arm and was going like this. Yeah! That's why Mina was manifesting like that. Those physical manifestations were a reflection of a spiritual reality. Angelic activity was filling the room. And Pastor Paul had the privilege to be able to see it. I thought that was just so cool. Because up until that point, I was kind of new to the charismatic movement. And I was like, man, I don't know. Those, those manifestations, they kind of weird me out sometimes. Because my, my wife, Erin, when, when she got baptized with the fire, for a whole month, she kept doing this inside thing. Like, oh. Ugh. The holy crunches. Ugh. She go around. Doing, I was like, "What is that? Are you that insecure? You got to get all that attention for yourself." You know, that's kind of natural thoughts. I was thinking. I didn't say it. I didn't really. I didn't really believe it. Come on, that's not what I. It's not what I believe. But you know, I, the thought can't cross my mind. Like, why are they doing that? Who are you kidding? Come on, we're not even in the church service. That's, that's, come on. All right. Well, when Pastor Paul explained these things, I realized, well, maybe Aaron can't help it sometimes. And God was marking her for ministry. I mean, oftentimes when God marks somebody for ministry, they have like that dramatic, like experience, encounter, and manifestations for like a good month or something. Monica got it. She ended up marrying Norberto. Jenny got it for a whole month. She ended up marrying Cry Brian. Aaron got it. She ended up marrying me. Hallelujah. <laughs> So, men of God in here who have a full-time ministry call, take note of the girls that manifest for an entire month. They might just be your wife. Hey, what I'm saying is, whether you can see like Pastor Paul into the spirit realm or not, it's important to cultivate spiritual eyes. I want you to repeat after me. Lord, I want to see heaven opened all around me. And through me, me. open my eyes so that I can discern, so that I can can see see. supernatural and angelic activity. activity. I don't care if you don't get to see it with your natural eyes. If you can't see with your natural eyes, you discern it by the Spirit of God. But you need to open your eyes to the angelic activities 
that will show up because there's a heaven open. There's an open heaven over you. Brothers and sisters, you are born to believe in things that you cannot see. You are designed to partner with heaven and bring supernatural, angelic, assisted ministry to dark and oppressed places. That is your calling. That is your destiny. That is your purpose. God wants his glory to rise upon you so that you can carry open heaven wherever you go. And I want you to contend until you see heaven open upon everything that you do. Until you experience a life of miracles all around you. For this is the heritage of the sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God will be called sons of God. And you know, because you're a son, Jesus says something very important. I'm going to end with this. Matthew 16, 19. Jesus said this. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Check this out. Listen to it as a son. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to it as just I'm a believer. Don't listen to it as I'm a Sunday Christian. Listen to it as a son. As a person your destiny is to receive this word and apply this word. Jesus said, Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What do keys do? Open. Keys open doors. And what did Jesus say he gave you the key to? He gave you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, come on, somebody. This is a good word. This is a good word. When... God has given us the keys to open heaven wherever we go. Amen? Amen. But we got to take hold of that. We got to believe that. We got to contend for it. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Amen. Um, There's one thing that I failed to mention that I want us to pray about right now. Um, as I preach the message, and the basic message is that you are a Bethel. You carry an open heaven over you. And as you learn to take hold of the keys of the kingdom of heaven, you will learn how to unlock heaven wherever you go. You will learn to unlock miracles, unlock physical healings. You will learn to unlock Revelations of God will be unlocked to you as the heavens are opened above you. You will move in signs and wonders. You will see material miracles happening all around you so that you can complete your assignment. So you can be successful at your assignment. There's one thing that I failed to mention, and I'm not sure if there's a science to this, but what I've, one thing I've observed is, from enough testimonies, I've observed that sometimes there are open heavens over geographic locations. So I lied earlier when I said there's no geographic location where there's an open heaven. Sometimes there is. Uh, this is just from testimony, pure testimonies, not a particular scripture passage. But to explain briefly, you know, we heard that Heidi Baker's ministry in Mozambique, they see a lot of physical healings. They see a lot of blind people seeing. And they, the one thing they distinct they have is they see a lot of dead people raised. Like people that have been dead for like a good 6, 12 hours or more, they come back to life. And so some people have said, well, because of the prayers and the contention of God's people working in Mozambique, there's an open heaven in Mozambique. And uh, I'll give you another example of an evidence of a real open heaven over a geographic location. And sometimes it's more permanent, sometimes it's more temporary. But uh, when Aaron and Mina were in Pattaya, Thailand, into the sex district there in that city, they were surrounded in the area called Walking Street. Walking Street is an area where there's brothels wall to wall. And while they were there, they were evangelizing to people and praying for people's healing and stuff. And Lisa was part of a group nearby that experienced a temporary open heaven over a very particular geographic location, like a par parameter of a circle in Walking Street, right in the middle of all the sex tourists and all the 
prostitutes and all the bar girls and lady boys. Right in the middle, there was an open heaven on Walking Street. You know, you know how, how they knew there was an open heaven? Because everybody who was within that circle, that geographic circle, they prayed for people and they were instantly healed. Everybody. They didn't have to strive for it. Boom. They pray. Boom, boom, boom. People get healed. Boom, boom, boom. And then there was a group nearby on the other corner and they weren't seeing anything like that. So when I hear these types of testimony, it, it lets me know that when there's corporate faith released, there can be this type of open heaven over corporate regions. And I want New Philly to be a Bethel. As a church together, I want this church to be such a place where there is open heaven. When people come in, they encounter God supernaturally. We want New Philly to be a Bethel, a house of God where angels ascend and descend upon our sanctuary. Miracles abound. Healings take place. And New Philly, as we go through this 21-day fast, I want to call and exhort each and every one of you. Let us knock on the doors of heaven so that God will give us an open heaven over New Philadelphia. Come on, how cool will that be? How amazing will that be? And not only will we have individuals out on the street that can bring open heavens, but we come into the house of God together and there's even a greater experience of angelic activity because New Philly will be known as a Bethel. I want us to pray into that right now. Come on, everybody, lift your voice. Come on.